1: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, a member FDSE.
0: Hey guys, and welcome back. Today we're going to be doing what we do best on this channel, and that is reacting to woke stuff that we find on the internet. Today we're looking at TikTok. Y'all know I am a certified former Wokey myself, so hopefully I'm able to decipher some of the messaging that we get in these videos. Without further ado, let's get into it. Yeah, you better. Yeah, you better. And before we get into today's video, I'd like to thank all the patrons on my Patreon. You really do fuel the work I do on this channel, so I cannot thank you enough for signing up and supporting. Let's start with TikTok number one. This one is about white people being happy and how apparently that should not be allowed. Let's watch.
2: This might be a controversial take, but I'm seeing a lot of queer white people posting like, like posting themselves being really happy and doing some random and being like yeah our joy is resistance and like in my opinion white people's joy is not resistance like queer or not your joy is not resistance matter of fact your joy is what got us here in the first place like your joy is why we're having to resist and like y'all putting yourselves and finding yourselves and like your own joy in front of everybody else is what God is here.
0: Ooh, let's pause before we get into the rest of this video. This is such a common left leaning narrative that white people led to every single harmful thing that has ever existed on our planet and that they're responsible for everything and that we should never allow them to be happy. In fact, they should feel a distinct amount of shame and guilt for just existing. And that's the sort of energy that I'm getting from this young woman right here. I should let her know that nobody's joy is resistance. I mean, for the most part, we are all living in our own minds and in our own worlds and we don't care That much about somebody else's joy. So if you're viewing your own happiness, your own fulfillment through the lens of being part of some resistance, you're probably not going to find much joy or much fulfillment. And that goes for white people, brown people, queer people, straight people. It does not matter. You should not view your own joy and happiness through the lens of it being a resistance to something outside of yourself. But I digress. You know, apparently this young woman is, I guess, competing in the oppression Olympics. (laughs) And if she is competing in the oppression Olympics, she's winning gold right now because she's essentially Saying that if you're white and you're queer, which by all leftist metrics is a marginalized group of people, you are not marginalized enough for your joy to really matter or to be a part of any resistance. If you are white, You're automatically sort of excommunicated from leftist circles, you don't belong here, and your joy is not something that we care about. So I guess, cheers for that. That is truly woke in nature. What we're saying is the more oppressed you are, the more that we should care about you. And since you're white, some of your oppression is automatically canceled out. I'm gonna let her finish here because I could rant on this for hours, so let's watch.
2: Like literally, I'm seeing so many white people right now going on like organizer retreats and posting about their joy and how awesome it was. Honestly, I wanna see more of y'all like sitting your ass at home and giving your money to black and brown people so they can do that.
0: Ha <laughs> right, okay. So if you're a white person, you're just not really meant to really live. You can exist, but we don't want you to live. Everything that you bring in, all your money, all your goods, those should be transferred to black and brown people for them to be able to actually enjoy life while you simply exist in your house and do nothing. Now she speaks about white-centric, I guess, organizer retreats and stuff. Like like that, for those of you who don't understand what that is, when you work for a left-leaning organization which I did uh, in the past you will go on organizer retreats and it's essentially little retreats that you go on as a person who's trying to further the doctrine and go find other leftists to sort of train, learn new things, teach yourself history that you maybe did or did not know about and altogether just become more organized in your endeavors to get people interested in certain movements. So some of these retreats will be purely for people of color. Others will be purely for white people. And it's just all around insane. But yes, there are really white retreats that you can go on as a left-leaning organizer to learn how to be a better white ally, how to represent leftism better, how to be better to the black and brown people around you. And it's all around just like a self (laughs) flonging retreat that you can go on to, I guess, sort of absolve yourself of your white guilt or to sit in your white guilt. And if that doesn't sound like a fun weekend to you, you're normal. <laughs> okay. Next one. This one is a teacher showing off social justice day at her high school.
3: It's my favorite day of the school year. Every year, right around MLK Day, either the Friday before or the Friday after, my high school hosts an entire day of learning and service. So just to be clear, we give them MLK Day off and then we have another day where instead of classes, we like a whole day of learning. Let me show you first donuts, obviously. But here you can see the entire schedule. This is an entire school day, right? This isn't just like a one-hour assembly. This is from nine to three. We start off with our entire school hearing some opening words from our fearless leader, Akina, our head of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And of course, Louise, our social and emotional wellness coordinator, who talks about how to have uncomfortable conversations and learn about difficult topics. If you hear the words diversity, equity, and inclusion, or social
0: emotional learning, I am telling you right now, run for the hills. What this means is indoctrination. That's really what you Getting. You're getting racialized indoctrination. You're getting gender based indoctrination. And that's what's being ushered into whatever school you're at. So for all the students who might be hearing these words, this is just. Time to turn off listening when you hear something like this because it's never going to be good ideas. Or at the very least, you know what? I'll take that back. Listen and challenge the things that you are hearing because almost guaranteed across the board, it's going to be a bunch of woke leftist ideology that is now being injected into your school curriculum. It's really quite heinous to see an entire day of school dedicated to these sorts of topics when you could be actually learning. And if I was a parent who found out that I was sent my kid to school for them to be dealing with this Uh uh-uh. out of that school the next day and we're finding somewhere else to go
3: i didn't get any videos from the morning session because i was leading one of them <laughs> the biggest one no big deal but uh, basically kids get to choose, they kind of rank their choices from what the teachers are offering. This year you can see we had a lot of things. We had a banned.
0: Banned history, LGBTQ plus rights, political operatives, prison system, climate change, unhoused. All things that are, I guess, okay to talk about but why are we spending an entire day of high school education, pivotal education, talking about these issues that have nothing to do with actually creating a well rounded student. And in so much of her conversation, you can tell there's so sort of this me 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 view i'm leading the biggest you know seminar of the day this is my favorite day that we do at school i'm a teacher it's more about her showing her allyship to all of these different communities than it is about actually doing something good for the students who go to this school i don't know if we're going to finish all this we're going to watch a little bit more and see what this social justice day is about
3: book activity where they're specifically looking at children's books and reading them and why have they been banned i talked about banned history and conversations around like the teaching of u.s history um there's a lot of stuff in there right that you can see um but after we have those small group sessions we brainstorm questions for our panelists and then we come back then we hear from a panel of amazing community leaders and activists and educators pause if you want to see the list of people that we got this year it was incredible and it's always amazing to me to see the students that want to stick around at the end and have one-on-one conversations so wonderful then, after lunch, obviously, we're giving them breaks, right? After lunch, we break out into our afternoon activities, and we normally try to make these, whereas the morning is focused on learning and educating ourselves. We want the afternoon to be about action, so that might be creating protest music, right? Some of our music kids, like, go in and they learn about different protest music. Sometimes they write their own. That might be learning about protest literature. That might be... Um, making activist posters um, that might be going out into the community. So one of our groups just went and they visited like Black-owned businesses. They went and had lunch at this amazing Ethiopian restaurant in Austin and then visited our Black-owned bookstore. I took students on the Black Austin walking tour. It was incredible.
0: Oh my gosh, I need to stop. (laughs) I can't do all this. We are quite literally... Just indoctrinating our next generation of activists in the United States. It's just insane to watch. How does anybody think that it's productive to teach an entire class of students to make protest music and do protests. And then cherry on top is that after this, they're going around to different black businesses as a way to show, I guess, their white guilt and how bad they feel by patronizing these businesses and checking them out. It's okay that you go to a business and you like it and it happens to be black owned. It's another thing to sort of target black owned businesses as a way of expressing your, I don't know, repentance toward them. (sighs) I have never seen Seen a better advertisement for homeschooling slash microschooling slash private schooling your children. We'll see if we can top it throughout this video, but I don't think I have. Okay. Oh, here's another teacher. This one is about a student coming out as non-binary. It says one of my students just came out to me as non-binary and this is the teacher dancing once the student told them their name. And of course, we're using they them pronouns because this was apparently a non-binary coming out and it seems as though this teacher is sort of wearing the pride colors of the non-binary slash trans camp. And I have to imagine that is not a coincidence. I don't know why you would be this excited about a student coming out to you as non-binary, considering you view that to be such an oppressed group that is marginalized in our society. Wouldn't that be a kind of sad day to realize that another student is in the same boat as you are and you now have to face this perpetual oppression? I'm not sure why this is such a joyous occasion. Also, could it be that maybe a teacher like that, who seemingly already identifies as non-binary, might be giving the impression to students that they should also identify as non-binary and maybe leading them down the path to share the same identity as them? It's just so strange to me to have such a superficial identity carry so much weight in your emotions and your reactions. And it's even more strange to watch a teacher be so happy about a student coming out in this way. When you're a teacher, you're meant to do your job and essentially leave it at that. I don't think you should be building such personal connections with students like this, especially in talking about your identities and your sexualities. To me, it's not the place, not the time. Some of you might feel a little bit differently about that, and I'd love to hear about that in the comments down below. But again, if I found out that my future child was dealing with something like this in school, out. Out the next day. 100%. Okay. This next one's a little bit out in left field. This is about dental care. And race, apparently, because somehow we find a way to mesh these two things together.
1: My name is Dr. Jasmine Cromartie. I'm a general dentist and inaugural faculty at High Point University Workman School of Dental Medicine. African-American history, culture, and progress hasn't always been taught, well understood, or respected. So in regards to diversity and inclusion in both the workplace and in the classroom, it's critical to highlight that only less than 3% of working dentists in the United States are African American men and women.
0: Why is that a problem? Why? Why is it a problem that only 3% of of dentists happen to be African American? Who cares?
1: I think there's a general challenge when it comes to recruiting students of color uh, to schools of dental medicine. Historically, we've had Uh, Less access to resources, including schools that at one point we could not attend, like our other ethnic counterparts. Many underrepresented populations are minorities, and research does support that when patients have providers who they can relate to and who may look like them, this can improve both patient outcomes and compliance. We simply cannot improve patient outcomes without valuing diversity and inclusion in both faculty and students.
0: I wanna challenge the entire premise of this video and say that you absolutely can. And it actually points to, I think, a societal illness that we're dealing with right now. That there is research that suggests that having a doctor or dentist that looks like you leads to better outcomes. Now, I understand that the human mind recognizes patterns. And if I go to a doctor who also happens to be a biracial female. There might be some sort of built-in connection that my brain thinks it feels because we look similar. But we are teaching people that because you share the same skin color as somebody or the same sex, that you automatically have some sort of built-in community with that person. And it is by no means the truth. There's a lot of people out there that look like me that I don't share any of their same opinions. We don't connect at all. We probably wouldn't even like each other. And they sure as hell probably wouldn't be the best doctor or dentist for me. So we should not convince ourselves that we are going to have better outcomes based on finding a doctor or dentist who looks exactly like us. And if we have research that suggests that, to me it shows that we have a deep societal problem. Finding a medical care provider is about finding somebody competent, who knows what you're dealing with, and who knows how to deal with your issues. It's not about what race they are. It's not about what gender they are. It's not about who they sleep with, or who they fall in love with. None of that should matter, in the slightest. But we are so race-obsessed now, in our current culture, that we think it does matter. And if your focus on recruiting dentists and doctors is more about race than it is about actual qualifications, and actually getting somebody competent in the position, I can guarantee we're going to deal with much worse medical outcomes. It's just honestly quite sad to think that somebody would or would not take a certain piece of medical advice based on the race of the doctor that they're seeing or the dentist that they're seeing. And that goes for any profession. I don't care what you look like. I just care that you do your job well. Okay, this very last one, if you've made it through this far with me, is another educator. This is a first grade teacher, I believe. Let's hear what she has to say about books that she's going to be reading in class.
4: I think that. Teaching our children to have empathy and respect for others is the number one most important thing we can teach them. So let me show you one of my favorite books I use to teach inclusivity and empathy in my classroom. It's called Peanut Goes for the Gold, and Jonathan Van Ness is the author. They are one of my favorite human beings on the earth. You might know them from Queer Eye. But this story is about a non-binary gerbil who wants to be a rhythmic gymnast, and they do all the things, cartwheels, ribbon twirling, hula hooping, to meet their goal. And when they get to the gymnastics meet, they forgot to tie their shoes and they trip and fall, but they ended up turning it into a magnificent move that wins them first place. But it's really just about how everybody has a different way of doing things and that's okay. Um, And we all just need to be true to our true selves. And it refers to Peanut as they or their in the story because they are non-binary. And when it comes down to it, if teaching children to be respectful of others' identities and calling them what they prefer to be called is the worst thing I do as an educator, then I'd say I'm doing pretty darn good.
0: gosh so many things wrong here guys so many things wrong first of all a non-binary gerbil are we being so for real right now so not only are you teaching kids about an identity that they should not know about and certainly not in first grade but you are also teaching them improper grammar you are actively promoting that they use words like they them and their in ways that they should not be using those words there's so many layers of bad to this and she says you know if that's the worst thing that i'm doing as an educator that i think i'm doing really good if this is something that you're doing as an educator, I bet there's a ton of other horrible things that you're doing with these kids. That might take the cake, but I imagine that there is layers to that cake. <laughs> we need to talk about it and figure out what's going on. And more importantly than that, get her out of the classroom. I know it's hard for us to connect to who we were when we were in first grade. What is that, like five, six years old? And we don't really remember those times. We see them in sort of distant memories. If I were six years old and I were reading this book about a non-binary gerbil who goes on to do this amazing thing at a competition, I would think humans can be non-binary. I want to be non-binary too. And All my other classmates are using she, her, and he, him. I want to be unique. I want to use they, them. And I imagine I would not be the only six-year-old in that class who was having that very same thought. And that, my friends, is what we call indoctrination. That's how you lead an entire generation down the path of going with these identities and thinking that they are part of a community which they are, in fact, not a part of because it does not exist. (laughs) I'm so sorry to say it, but it does not exist. And this teacher is going to be responsible for that because she's deciding that ideology is more important than actual education of children, that we should be talking about identities before we know how to read and write and do things that school is actually meant for. And again, this is yet another amazing advertisement for homeschooling, microschooling. With all the stuff that I've seen on the internet, I am starting to think I'm just going to start my own school and I'm not going to deal with this because if it's even one educator that is responsible for ushering this sort of agenda into the class, it is one too many. And no matter how big the smile is on these people, we have to remind ourselves that they are in fact inflicting harm on the students that they are meant to be educating. It's wrong at first grade, it's wrong with whatever grade the non-binary student came out to that teacher in, and it's wrong in a high school where they're doing social justice day. None of this is meant to be happening at school. And that, my friends, was our final TikTok. I don't know how I feel about the experience that I've had today. As you all know, I'm in a different country right now. I'm in Australia. And I'm watching the sort of very same issues, you know, to a simmering slash boiling point here and watching as they just proliferate all over our earth. <laughs> and it sort of black pills you a little bit to watch how far some of this agenda is spreading and how these ideas are are gripping people. But nonetheless, we're gonna be always here to talk about them, to call them out, to hopefully inject a little bit of reason into the discussion here. And I hope that's what I achieved today. As as always if you disagree with me do get out down below but do so respectfully and as always if you like this video like subscribe click the notification bell to be notified every single time i post a video for you guys which is every day and i will see you next time bye guys yeah, you better. Yeah, you better.